Hello, and welcome to the I'm Not Done Yet Foundation podcast. You're listening to episode one. You've made a great decision. My name is Gabe Malika. It's a pleasure to be hosting this wonderful podcast on the behalf of such a great foundation. If you've listened to our little trailer, you know that this podcast was created to celebrate the life and legacy of Bobby Mangus through important conversations with people in and around the cancer community. And so far, that's what we've done. Uh, we've banked a bunch of episodes. So every Thursday, uh, you'll get a new one. We'll, we're starting today with the great Brian Pandorf. Brian lives in Colorado and is a part of First Descents, which is one of the charities that I'm not done yet partners with and supports. And we encourage all of you to support and we get into why we think it's such a great charity uh, during the episode. We also talk about Brian's cancer diagnosis at the age of 26, uh, how he's doing now, his experience being diagnosed and uh, getting involved in first descents. We take about, I would say, seven or eight minutes to really get rolling into the conversation about uh, about cancer and about first descents. Um, but I left it in there because I think it's important to hear uh, to hear us bond and just like chat a little bit um, because we had a really good time together and we got really deep, uh, but it started, we were just strangers. So thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, we can't do it without you. Please give us five stars. If you're on an iPhone, share it with a friend uh, and enjoy uh, the wonderful Brian Pandorf. And of course, music as always by Bobby Mangus. How's it going, bud? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, dude. I'm really good. Um, thanks for doing the pod. I appreciate it. No, of course. Thank you for hosting. It. Of course. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, now you're in, we'll get into all the finer details of why we're here and all that stuff, but you're in Colorado right now? Yes. Did you grow up there? Are you from the Midwest? Or I am from Colorado. Colorado. Is that the Midwest? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, that's a good question. It's probably the West. The West. Okay. Mountain, Mountain West. Mountain West. That's right. Um, yeah. So you're from there. That's no. where you grew up. Like outside of Denver, suburbs of, you know, nothing all that cool. But okay. when you tell people Colorado, they make it seem like it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I did a, I did a mission <laughs> trip there once and it was lovely. It was cool. We did some cool stuff out there. Can I ask you how old you are? Just like for... For reference, yeah, 33. You're 33. You're a young 33, man. I was going to be like, Are you? I was, I was worried you <laughs> just like, turned 33. Okay. And I'm on like the older side of all my friends. So every year it seems like, you know, it always feels like, man, I'm old. But yeah, when someone says you're the young side of 33, it feels a little better. Oh, I'm glad because I'm 29 and I was worried. I was like, He's not like 24, right? We're going to have like stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> Well, this will be fun. This is um, so this is a joint venture, this podcast cool. between uh, the I'm Not Done Yet Foundation, um, which honors Bobby Mengus and the yeah. Mengus family and First Descents, um, which is a charity that I'm I have questions about. I want you to tell me about it and your involvement. Um but before we get there again, I, I, I like a little buffer zone. So like the first question I have for you is just like, what kind of kid were you? What were you into? What was your deal? 
Like, yeah, I guess you spend can your I time. ask a question yeah, first? Are we, are we live? Is this we're not we're, live. we're not live. The mic is hot, <laughs> okay. but we are not live. This, yeah, only yeah, only I'm we were recording, but it was like, yeah, no, no, no. There's <laughs> no, I, but you just do that from the get go. I I totally understand that. Yeah, I would have dressed um, up. I think if we were doing it live, but um. No, I mean like not live, live. Are we? We're recording. This is this is good. This is the podcast. Yeah, this is it. This okay. is, it's very informal. Yeah, yeah. But we're live and recording. This isn't like. A, by the way, this is how the podcast will go. Yeah. This is like no, we're in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm sorry if you're gonna have to cut that later. No, no, no. I'll keep everything in. I don't. <laughs> no, I will. I will. I will. I clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Um. What kind of kid was I? That's a that's a good question. I think I was. I don't know. I was a little rowdy, rambunctious. I was also, uh, I wouldn't say I, I like had some smarts. I had ADHD, but it was never diagnosed. So I was like mm. smart enough to get by, but didn't work that hard at it. Um, mm-hmm. Like kind of absorbed things well, but kind of didn't concentrate too much on things. Um, I like to be outside. I like to hang out with friends mostly and and just kind of, I don't know, as a kid, kid, you know, rollerblade, hockey, bike outside and yeah. otherwise just kind of putts around with friends. And I think mid- high school, middle school, I probably hit some like I was probably a class clown or tried to be. I like to be the funny guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that came with some self-consciousness that, you know, went, sent me internal and yeah, that's cool. That's cool. No, I, <laughs> I imagine a lot of kids when I when I imagine what Colorado high school must have been like, I imagine you guys are outdoors a lot in all seasons because when it's cold, you can do winter stuff. Um, but yeah. when it gets nice out, it's like gorgeous. Um, and it seems like a fun place, right? There's um, there's fun stuff to do everywhere. It seemed to me maybe I'm uh, being, no, it was a it was a really cool place to grow up. Like definitely enjoyed being outdoors. I mean, people think of like, oh man, you must like rock climb and mountain bike. And these are all things like, yes, I'd love to do more often, but it's not like I grew up doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was outside and tried, like I, I did the standard sports. I did baseball, basketball, soccer, and all that. Um, and we had the nice weather to the sunshine to do so. And then when it snowed, we were still able to play outside and snow days were like always the best days. I feel bad for people now. Like there would never be another snow it's day. It's a casualty of, <laughs> of, a casualty of, of Zoom. Zoom yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mom told, mentioned that to me a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, oh no, you're right. You know, that heartbroken you, for those kids. Yeah. Cause that was a big, cause we all remember when I was in high school, we had one of those snow days where it ended up not really snowing. And so we just got to hang out outside. This is amazing. This is like the best thing that's ever happened. No matter what a snow day is a win. Yeah. Okay. So you were, so you were that type of kid. And then after high school, what did you do? Did you, you went to school? I basically have had a tough time leaving Colorado. Um, <laughs> I went to CU Boulder, Colorado university of Colorado in Boulder. Um, I stayed there, did my four years there, graduated with a business degree, landed in Denver for a few years, um, and then ironically back up to Boulder, and I've been here ever since, so probably been here. It feels too long, sure, but sure. Uh, I think it's been about eight years at this point. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, how far is Denver from Boulder? Are they like different universities? They're about like 30, 30 minutes, no. Depending on traffic, it's like 30 minutes to an hour. Wow, that's um, quick. Yeah, it is. I think, Yeah. Super easy. I mean, I'm commuting every day to Denver at this point for uh, a recent 
a new job. So okay, making that, making that trek on the daily. And again, one of the casualties is, uh, with COVID is traffic hasn't been too bad thus far. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Um, that sounds really nice. Okay. So, so I promise we're getting to the first ascent stuff, but there's just like <laughs> nope, another, no another question I have. The yeah. First. There's another question I have. And at any point you want to ask me questions, that's fine. But, um, so you went to school for business and then did you work in, you worked in the business world? Do you still work in the business world? I, I, I do business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, I wouldn't say necessarily successfully, but I'm, I'm trying my hand at it the best I know how. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm in sales currently. I just got a new job in July. So I've uh, kind of been in sales ever since coming out of college and kind of putzing my way through it. Sure. Sure. Um, and then now as an adult, when you're not working and you're not doing this charity work, which I promise we're going to talk about, what are you, what else do you, what is that? What does your lifestyle now enable you to do? That's like fun for you. Yeah. Um, the, the age old question that it kind of stresses me out. It's like master of none. And I, I like fear I'm not passionate about enough. And so then I don't do like enough, like, Oh, I'll, I'll try blank and then I'll do it once or twice and that'll be fun. But it's not like I like log into the gym and I go rock climbing <laughs> indoors on like a daily basis and become this like phenom rock climber. I'm just kind of like, oh, I'll dibble, I'll dabble. Um, I love that. But mostly like very much just activities. I, I like being outdoors. I do go hiking quite a bit to try to get on my road bike is a new, new hobby of mine. Um, been picking up pickleball, which has been fun. Oh, very fun. Um, yeah, it's like the fastest growing sport because all the baby boomers are playing it. And uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But it's also fun for a 33 year old. Um, Do you get kind of like obsessed with a new thing and you just like move on no, that's quickly? the thing is I don't. Not at all. Oh, interesting. Um, You're just like, oh, I'll try this. Now I'll try that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I'll be decently good at it in, in a good way. And I'll be able to pick it up again in a couple months. But I don't like go full in. And I think that's sort of the problem is I don't like fully commit to, you know, buying the gear, buying the stuff where it's like, eh, if I have the opportunity to do it again in the future, I would enjoy that. But I'm not seeking it out. And I don't know, I've been struggling with that in my life. Sure. <laughs> it's like, I need more passion projects. Sure. I mean, cool. I kind of enjoy that rhythm, the idea of that rhythm a little bit. Um, it's a thing that uh, Dave Grohl, the musician, uh, yeah. I remember him talking about um, champion, championing the amateur that in America, if you want to sing, uh, it's either like you're on American Idol and you're great and you win millions of dollars and fans or you're terrible and we're going to mock you. And there's sort yeah. of no room for just like people in the middle who are just like, yeah, I pick up a guitar every once in a while. And that's a fine way to live life. I don't I, I think um, the, the guidance counselor in me is like, no, Brian, you're fine. Just keep yeah. just keep plugging I, away. <laughs> honestly, I need to hear that. Is this a therapy session? Do I have to pay for this? I took one therapy class in college, so I can assure you that I'm not qualified. Uh, that, I think you that rounds about my budget, though. That's the kind of budgetary therapy I'm looking for. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, okay, Brian. So I guess my first question related to the uh, the nature of this podcast, which again is like a collaboration between these couple charities is, uh, when did, when did cancer come into your life? How old were you? Where were you at in your life? Yeah. Um, I was, what was I? I was 26 years old. It was, uh, 
September of, I had just turned 26 actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and there was just stresses related to that. Um, very much kind of rocked my world to be honest. Sure. Can you, can you explain to the layperson and let's say me as well? Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma is like what type of cancer and what way does it impact your body? It is a blood cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, I honestly should know more about sure. it. There was like, there's, there's enough info to be dangerous and enough to like, yeah, just get by. Of course. I'm kind of on that get by. Yeah. Um, it is a blood cancer. Um, and it's related to the lymphatic system, which is controls. This is the confusing part. I think that's related to the nervous system. So I don't understand how it's a blood cancer, but, um, you have lymph nodes all over your body. So these lymph nodes end up getting, uh, cancer in them. And so mine was targeted towards my chest. I had a pretty serious mass in my chest. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it was like kind of crazy because I had like, symptoms quote unquote for probably eight months leading up to it Wow, where I was like itching my ankles in a really bad way. Like couldn't stop itching my ankles and didn't understand what was going on. I was going to like chiropractors. I got acupuncture and just weird things, itching my eyes, just kind of random, you know, a doctor wouldn't be able to be like, Oh, that's, you know, I've seen this before. Sure. But, um, looking back, it was like, Oh, maybe there, it was like slowly building in my body. Uh huh. And so it's building and building. And finally, you go see another doctor or does something happen? In, in no, the it was just one day. It was like a Saturday. I think I was like Friday or Saturday. Um, I just had, I woke up like randomly with like pretty extreme chest pain. Um, it may have been two days. And that's when I finally told my mom about it. I was having a shortness of breath and she was like, go see a doctor. There's a respiratory infection going around. So, mm. you know, I was like, Oh, an infection. I'll go get some antibiotics, blah, blah, blah. And kind of kick this thing out. Um, so I go to the doctor on a Saturday and it's like, I just got out on Obamacare and I was all like stressed to like, oh, I guess we'll finally see how <laughs> care stuff works. Like, can I even go to the doctor on a Saturday? I've never really done this. Like, sure. um, and it was packed. I waited there for like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, but then, you know, I was in the system. So I was like, I guess I might as well wait. And the doctor didn't find anything, but they, they ran a few tests, breathing tests. I was breathed fine, even though I felt like I couldn't. And I was like, okay, I guess nothing that drastic is wrong with me. They took an x-ray before I left and said, they'll call me, um, if need be. So about an hour later, I received that call and it was like, you, we recommend you go to the ER to get a CT scan. And it was, you know, you've never really like, it's like, uh, I, I hung up with the phone and it's like, I could probably do this on Monday. Like, does it, how urgent is this? Yeah, like, yeah. I've got some friends. I've got plans. Like I had friends at my house. We were planning on going to see the football game. And, but in the end, I think I decided like, maybe if they're calling me to tell me to go to the ER, I should do so. So, yeah. So you canceled Broncos yeah. tickets. No, it was just a college game a co- to be honest. Okay. But, um, so, and I don't even think I had the tickets. It was just, you know, the, the drinking the and atmosphere of the sure. tailgate, the hangout. Sure, sure. There so friends, so you yeah. get this phone call and you're like, I'm supposed to be in a parking lot in Boulder. And we were working our way that way. And I was like, well, I guess this shouldn't take too long. Right. Sure. Of um, course. And even then I didn't like hang up the phone and immediately say like, sorry guys, I got to go. It was like a, you know, I molded over in my mind for probably an hour, an hour and a half. I was like, I think I should probably go. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good instinct. But also I understand the impulse to be like, I'm living my life. I'm the protagonist. 
everything's fine um yeah i think that's a but also it's like can't it wait till monday like mm. or like like if i don't do it on said today like a saturday like does it need to be an er like mm-hmm. if it's a monday can i just go to a normal doctor and get i you know you all of a sudden they start throwing around acronyms ct scan pet scan all these like you know, like can't i where can i do this and i guess er's are the place to do them. yeah oh my goodness and so it sounds to me like you didn't have any sort of medical complications as a kid. This wasn't like a space that you were familiar with. Not at all. I mean, sure. even hearing my mom tell me I should go to the doctor was like, that was the light bulb of like, maybe I should go do this because my mom mm. never said go that. Like, even sure. as a kid, it was mostly like, eh, brush it off. You'll be fine. Or like, eh. of course, but hearing her say like, eh, go, maybe you should. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. and moms know moms have an instinct about certain things. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, I always think of that question at the end of those doctor's appointments where they're like, do you smoke? No. Are you on many, any medications? No. Take your vitamins, brush your teeth. I'm like, yes. Like I always give like the, the easy answers and suddenly yeah, yeah. Um, they're talking about acronyms and stuff. That's scary. And so you go to the ER in Boulder. It was outside of Boulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, yeah, short probably a 20 minute commute to the suburbs of, yeah, I don't know why I didn't go to the main one, sure. to be honest. <laughs> Insurance, who knows? Of course. Like, yeah. We're in America after all, of course. Yeah. Um, and how soon after that, the scan, do you get sort of like the bad news? Well, it was, I think they, they like sort of screwed up. Um, I remember like, a like I was there for a while mm-hmm. and then you start to like mull things in your mind of like, <laughs> why haven't anyone come in here and told me anything mm. yet? Like, Oh, we looked at your scan and everything's okay. You're free to go. Yeah. Um, but there's like insurance lady came in and she started talking to me and I think she like told me some stuff and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, Oh, they haven't told, they haven't talked to you yet. It was like the person that ex- accepts payment or whatever it is. And of course she's the first person to know. <laughs> she was oh, man. Yeah, she was like, and then she was like, uh, I'm sorry. I got it. And like, so she stopped like basically mid this conversation and like left to go find, like tell someone like, ah, I think we need to tell this guy what's going on before I talk to him. So yeah, I would say so after the doctor came in and then he sat down and you're like, Oh, doctor sitting down. Not great. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. I like my doctor on two feet standing. Oh goodness. Like we, we believe you to have lymphoma. Uh You just like, I mean, you've heard the word before, but when you're 26 years old and unless you know someone with it, you're like, so as me, like, what is that? Like, that's cancer, right? Like, I think I've heard of one person in my life with it. So, yeah. uh, it was just like this. He's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it is cancer. Yeah. Um, so there was like, I don't know. It was just a, and then he doesn't spend too much time in there and you i mean even i think when he was in there i started pulling it up on my phone of like what the hell is lymphoma I start googling it of immediately course, and of course even with that you think i'd know more about it this but, but, um, <laughs> years of googling <laughs> your symptoms of course yeah there's a certain point when you also kind of stop googling things because almost ignorance is bliss where of course of course tell me yeah. what to do doc yeah yeah um and then who can I ask, like, who's your first phone call? Like, what do you, what, what is a person like that in that situation? Yeah, I think it, I mean, my mom knew I was, 
at the hospital at this point. Uh-huh. She was obviously worried as a mother. And I was kind of like still before they even came in, I was still in there that like the, ah, I'll be fine. I'm 26 years old. Mm-hmm. This is just like a, a checkup, a scare, like a, Oh, they need to run some tests and I'll be out of here in mm-hmm. 30 minutes. Um, so she was like texting me. I think my dad was in on the thread and I don't know. I just like sent her while the doctor was in the room. Like I have cancer and send. Yeah. And she calls me immediately afterwards. And I was like, mom, I can't talk right now. The doctor's here. Yeah. It was just like, uh, yeah, it was very much mother and, and father. Um, they immediately freaked out sure. naturally. Yeah. Um, it's proportionate. Yeah. Um, Maeve, yeah. They, and yeah, kind of a, kind of a quirky news to be honest. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, well, first of all, thank you for sharing all this. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's important it, it's, that we talk about, I think, um, I know, um, cause certainly not the only person that gets diagnosed with cancer. Um, but I think hearing, you know, hearing your story is, is, is important. And lots of people have been affected by cancer in, in all different types of ways. Um, and obviously yeah. I'm talking to you today, which is amazing and great. Um, can you share your, your, are you, are you in remission? Is it? I am in remission. I've been in remission, uh, I think six years now, Wow. um, six years, May. So five years was like a, a big turning point in the cancer community. Mm. Um, your five year point. Cause that's when they track the data off of your, like, your five-year survival rate, your 10-year survival rate based off of your cancer diagnosis. So mm-hmm. um, my survival rate was good and I am still surviving, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that survival, that five-year survival rate was kind of like where I was like, I'd like to, you know, kind of move past this and in a way of like, not so much blame it on, on things or not be so resentful, not blame it on things in my life mm. of like, Oh, I'm struggling in my career because of cancer, because of this thing I went through or like, <laughs> there was a point when I was like, okay, it's been five years. I need to move on. Of course. Of course. But I would say that many people have cancer and they all deal with it in their own ways. And I think any way you deal with cancer is probably again, proportionate and okay and fine, but you're involved in this, in this charity, which not everybody does. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your involvement in, in first descents and, and really what I'm after is like, why you do it, why, why you find it important? Yeah. So, um, going through cancer treatment myself, um, I was meeting with a, social worker, like doctor provided social worker in the hospital that target that handles oncology work mm-hmm. uh, pretty much exclusively. He was an amazing man. And he had some flyers of this, like, it just said kayak, climb, surf, and like younger oriented people and the advertisement. And I picked it up and he didn't know much about it because he doesn't honestly deal with um, I think that's the thing is you go to these hospitals and you don't, you're like, you Google the stats, or at least I did of like, Oh, how many people are diagnosed with this every year? Kids, my age bracket. And you're like, wow, there's honestly a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then from a more localized perspective of like your time, your, your month, when you're going to the hospital that week, um, you realize it's, it's very few. And mm. so there's no one in your age bracket. It's all like aunts and uncles, grandma ages. And so you're, and then it kind of really hits you of like, wow, I guess 
this is different than most are dealing with, even mm-hmm. though you really, you also have seen the facts of like, Oh, I can't even throw them out right now, but it's a shocking number that are diagnosed between 18 and uh, 40 with cancer yeah. these days. And it's growing. So, um, and so then you just feel pretty isolated and your friends at, you know, this age bracket don't necessarily know how to handle it, how to manage it. Not to say friends at 70 do, but I think there's like, you know, they're more, they, they have that communication down a little bit. They know how to provide, they know how to like, Oh, I'll deliver you meals. I'll do, I'll like help you out. Or they even have a nest egg. They hopefully have insurance. They have like Medicare, they have various things. They're set in their careers. There's just different aspects of being 26 compared to really like 65 getting diagnosed um, just as and so when I saw this advertisement for being able to go to ski, kayak, not ski, various adventures, um, I immediately picked it up and my social worker didn't know much about it, but he's like, they dropped it off. I don't know much about it. Contact them, like definitely reach out. So, you know, I start go- like Googling it and it just seemed perfect. It was literally, I'd been wanting to learn how to kayak. Um, and this was a free adventure program, um, for young adults with cancer to go do something outside of kind of their everyday cancer world at that point. And, um, when I applied, I I think I heard back from a month or two later, like, um, towards a little bit, the end of my like chemo treatment. I mean, I was just brought to tears at the excitement of like, knowing one, I wouldn't have to pay for it. Um, in the sense of like, there's just so much stresses around being 26, like working less, uh, finances. I think any 26 year old is having like, you know, stress around finances and and doing things that they want to do comparatively, like the things they probably should be doing with savings and, you know, everything. And so all of a sudden you throw in like, many multiple thousand dollar cancer treatment. And it's just like wrecks all hopes and dreams there, let alone your like interest um, and level of energy to do these things is, is changed. So to hear you were going to have like this free program where they fly you out um, and they show you this adventure that, you know, costs quite a bit of money to do to buy kayaking lessons on my own. So I was, uh, I mean, I cried on the phone when I was accepted and I was just so stoked um, to have like, a little bit of hope, something to look forward to in that way that like, yeah. I didn't have to pay for. It wasn't like a, Oh, this is coming out of my pocket. So of course, um, right from the get go, I, I felt the love there. And even then going to the program, just the adventure was amazing, but a big piece of it for me that I took away was connecting with cancer survivors, my age bracket yeah. that all dealt with like same, same, but like different scenarios. I mean, we all had different cancers. We all had different experiences, but 90% they kind of aligned up with like just the shit you're going through at that time of your life and, and, and being different than, you know, a child versus an adult with cancer and kind of this mid range bracket. So yeah, that mid range, Brian, that's, I mean, I have, I've worked with, with children at a free summer camp for kids with chronic illnesses and it's, it's six to 16 and that has its own challenges. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of community for young people, um, who have various diagnoses. Um, but one of the things we talk about at the camp I work at the double H ranch that I have worked at is that after 21, a lot of these kids are sort of on their own in terms of leisure, in terms of community. And it's, and you're right. 
I mean, getting cancer at 26, it's not, you know, nothing's better or worse, but it is fundamentally different than being 85 It is, and it's yeah. different than being seven. Most certainly. And I, I mean, I went to, like, I tested my hospital hosted a, you know, I, I don't know, a, a social working talk where they, you, rather than being in the cancer chair, you were like meeting with other cancer survivors and they were all, you know, my parents, if not older age. Yeah, um, yeah. and so there wasn't like, Oh, I relate to these people. Sure. So much. Yeah. There was no, there was, there was like, we relate because we're dealing with this morbid diagnosis and fear for our lives. And chemo is, is kind of wrecking our energy and excitement towards life. But there was no, like everything else was different in that way. Um, yeah. so you feel very isolated as a 26 year old in this community of like, uh, I guess I'm just with old folks now. So of course. Um, meeting those people. And I, I still, I mean, I went on this program six years ago and I'm still in a group thread with many of them Yeah, still communicate, planning on traveling to, to see a few of them saw a few last year, like, and we are across the country. So that makes it tough to still reconnect. But I mean, the ones I do see when I am able to see it, it's just like, it's some of the best times we're able to like, just laugh and joke about some shit in our lives as well as like, I mean, a lot of these people are still going through it. I'm fortunate enough on, on the, the remission side, but yeah. I know probably too many still dealing with the nightmares of, of it all. And like, it's, I feel very fortunate to be where I am, but also know, like I've got a friend who's went through, I can't even count the number of surgeries, like yeah. nine brain surgeries in the last six years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, that could have been me. Like there was no, like, just, I got a, arguably a better diagnosis, but it, they all still suck. Like she's had just an, a more nightmarish time type of deal. So yeah, yeah. And being there to support her through this process um, and knowing like, I don't know what a brain surgery is goes through, but I know the shit of cancer. Yeah. Um. So, and not many people she connects with are able to relate in that way. So we've still maintained a, a great friendship and still able to just kind of shoot the shit. Yeah. I'm sorry for saying no, shit so much. No, no. Shit away, dude. <laughs> shit <laughs> We're away. talking about real life right now. <laughs> but um, m- back to your question, the like real reason I like got involved was I, I stayed, I live in Boulder, Denver area. So first descent is out of Boulder, Denver, or actually out of Denver, but so I was able to stay pretty closely involved. Um, mm-hmm. and an opening came up and I, I had always wanted to like, you know, give back in, in a certain way. So, um, it was pretty awesome to now be providing these programs that I then experienced and, and get to, um, kind of be the fun facilitator and adventure guide through these programs now, because I knew the life changing aspect and, and the oh, people yeah. that they're able to meet through this process and, and how, I mean, it really was life changing. Cause I mean, you're able to connect with people that finally get it. So sure. Where was that first trip that you, that you went on? I was in uh, Medford, Oregon, which is just Southern end of Oregon um, on a kayaking trip. But uh, and how long was it? Yeah. It was, I think, six days in total, maybe seven with travel. Um, I think we were on the river, probably four or five. And I mean, they just kind of outfit the whole thing. You don't have to plan anything, which I kind of hate planning. And they bring chefs, which hell yeah, just cook like amazing, (laughs) just delicious, like all like mostly plant-based, but also just like they're doing mostly organic. They're doing all the sauces themselves. It's like 
higher than restaurant quality wow. um, food. That's just amazing. And, and they really just like give you love and support and send you on your way to, to go kayaking in, a, oh. in an awesome way. Oh man. Yeah, Cause when you eat like that, you usually have, you feel pretty good, you know, your yeah. body like knows. Um, and I imagine that's even more heightened when you're going through cancer treatments and stuff like that, but any little bit helps, I imagine. Most certainly. And that's kind of what they're targeting exactly is like eating healthy also like helps you feel better. Not just like, you're obviously not going to like get rid of your cancer by, by doing so, but like, there's hopefully like what we're providing you helps you feel in better internally as well as externally. Um, yeah. It, through food, nutrition, this adventure, meeting others. And then they also focus on like a mindfulness and yeah. being present. Their, their hashtag is outliving it and mm. the healing power of adventure. So they really want you to like, you know, go, go do, um, yeah. in an amazing way. So, yeah, that's so great. And so I imagine those days are, it's the expression is long days, short week. I imagine that's sort of it does go by in a whirlwind. They give you kind of some downtime, obviously, but I mean, you're also, I mean, kayaking, you're on the river. And so there's points of rapids and this is exciting. This is flowing. And then there's like, you know, downtime when the, the river slows down, you're able to just kind of soak it all in. So, mm. um, yeah, but th they're respectful of kind of everyone has a reduced, um, energy when they're in a cancer community. Of so they're course. respectful of that, but of it, course. there is like a first sense hangover where you come back and you're like, just like, pooped exhausted yes yes you need a vacation yeah. you need a vacation yeah exactly um and how many people were on that that trip you did that oregon my trip? trip was pretty small my trip was nine to ten mm -hmm. um i think they even had like pretty much 10 support staff along with just 10 participants oh, wow. um nurses i imagine just like folks around they have yeah some medical stuff um they have some camp moms that kind of help just do things around around the camp um as well and some volunteers as well as the chefs and then the outfitters kind of hang out and and enjoy the time too so you're able to kind of get this good mix of meeting the outdoors community who you know they're just a different breed of people the ones that like literally live outdoors day in and day out and they sleep basically <laughs> on the ground and they're not provided a bed but they're happy to be there happy to be fed sure. so um and coming from like you know everyone has different walks and backgrounds so to meet these like awesome people that are just there to be supportive of you is is pretty cool yeah that's a beautiful thing and so um at night i imagine at least at the camp i worked at night was a really sacred time for us. Cause you'd be tired you'd sit around in a circle. You have some s'mores maybe. Um, and for us, it was a cabin chat where we'd ask different questions and questions for the six-year-old girls would vary drastically from the 16 year old boys. Right. You know, what can you fit? Yeah. What, what, if you had an empty swimming pool, what would you put in it? Um, that's, you know, that's the classic six, seven, eight year old girl question. Um, I need to use that one. Yeah. I like that that's, one. That's an My favorite answer was, uh, half weight room, half chicken teriyaki. <laughs> wow. This girl wants to get her fitness no, That on. was an older boy, but, but, uh, jeez, <laughs> like, it was this six year old girl. Yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, like those questions are sacred, right? You go around the room and um, for me, I would, I had sort of a flow that I would do it. I would start with, tell us about one of your friends from home. I like that question because it gets you not talking about yourself, but you are talking about yeah. yourself in a way because you're talking about what you value in another person. Um, yeah. And then as over the course of the week, we'd 
get into bigger questions. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about just like the, the nighttime hangs, the, the campfires, that, that element of it? Cause I think that's really healing as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, very much a part of FD as well. Definitely kind of gathering the community mm. um, that we're with on these trips and, and kind of just ringing in the day or ringing in the night um, yeah. in the sense of like, we give shout outs, um, shout outs are, you know, what were some awesome things that you saw today? You can shout out the sun, you can shout out the chefs, you can shout out someone for doing something out of the norm, out of the expectation. Um, yeah. And just, it, it really like kind of that mindfulness bringing you back to like, really think about like, what was cool about today? What was unique? What was challenging? What was fun and exciting? And, and kind of running that stuff back in your mind really helps you like, you know, bring it present again. Um, that gratitude. That we should all spend exactly. every day at the end of the day, right? <laughs> Thanking. I say this on all my trips myself and I get home and you know how quickly we forget it um, as soon as you get home. So mm. yeah, I completely agree. That gratitude aspect. Um, and then we, we definitely... I mean, the awesome thing about FD or first descents, um, often goes by FD is, uh, I mean, they, we like to kind of propose these questions. No one's obligated to answer. And, mm -hmm. um, but again, it's just to kind of be mindful and, and kind of be present as well as like, think about what we want moving forward. Um, but what I experienced on my trip was it didn't feel so forced. It wasn't like, Oh, we really want you to talk about your feelings. We really want you to like, you know, lean into this. Oftentimes they would propose a question or two and then it'd be done. And, you know, it was still a little daylight. And then like the lead staff or the, everyone would kind of leave. And it was like, wait, we're done already. Like I thought I was just getting warmed yeah, up about yeah. talking about my feelings, but <laughs> But due to it being a bunch of cancer survivors, like we were then able to meet and kind of commingle and, and talk about things more, more organically, um, mm -hmm. which was also awesome. Like it didn't need to be in this group setting. It, it kind of naturally moved that way after the group setting. But uh, all of a sudden you're hearing these stories, these like various aspects. But uh, yeah, some some of the things I ask on on my programs are, you know, what are your thank you cancer moments. What are, what are something you might thank cancer for? This is, you know, maybe not off the first night, but some things that like, can we see positivity in this, even though mm. it's wrecked our lives in such a bad way. And, um, I think I can, when I propose a question, I, I propose an answer to, and oftentimes it's changing, but, um, yeah, I think there's, there's various things that like we can really lean into to kind of remember some of the good times and, and the bad. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that. Cause I just kept thinking that as you were speaking about, about the FD trip, which is that, that feeling you get sometimes you're like, how did I get here? That like really power, like, this is so wonderful. What the people I'm with, yeah. what wrong choice did I make that ended up in this great place, you know? And I think it's, it's, it's sad, right. That, that cancer is the reason that you guys get to gather. But once you're there, it's sort of beautiful. Um, yeah. and that's like a known saying within the community. And I imagine it is with a lot of this, like diagnoses like this of like a community you never want to join, but once you're a part of it, it's like kind of the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some folks just, you know, um, doesn't make them worse people. Um, but 
couldn't understand. And I felt that as a counselor, you know, a lot of times it was let the kids talk. Don't go in the room. You know, one kid has muscular dystrophy. The other kid has hemophilia. I'm sure they have a lot to talk about, you know, let them go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, There's, but you bring a, I mean, I, I worked with a lot of counselors too, who were campers as children who survived yeah. cancer, who still have hemophilia, whatever it is. Um, and they had a certain bond with kids that also is sort of unassailable in a way where you're like, Oh, let Eli keep talking to that kid because he knows what it's like, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, that's sacred too. Um, and I love, I love that you loved it. And I love that you decided to give back because I know a lot of people and I don't think this makes them worse people. I think people handle ha- cancer in all different types of ways, but I know people that survived cancer and said, I just sort of need to like get, I want to go back to the thing I was doing the moment before I had cancer. Um, and for me, that's being back to normal, but you seem to have really embraced the trip, the environment, the community. Uh, well, I, I think that really speaks more for FD rather than myself. Mm. Um, I have embraced the community very much, but that's because of this amazing trip that was offered. I mean, I it, kayaking was a lifelong goal of mine um, yeah. and then to be provided that for free and then to feel the power of meeting others in, in the same situation. It was just like game changing. And um, yeah, so it, it was, is very much, I guess, just the aspect of everything that FD first Descent does to put to, together this program. Um, I mean, they focused on all the things a 26 year old male, female might be interested in and yeah. as a cancer survivor and really like hone those things and really blow it out of the water to make it just this amazing experience where it's kind of tough. Like I feel like more people than like, obviously I've met a lot of first sense programs, people at this point, and they all would love to just give back. They all want to do what they can. They all tell people to go to these programs because it's just so amazing. So, yeah. um, I really think that just speaks more for them than for myself, <laughs> but I understand. I understand. That's um but I was lucky to live in Denver in the fact that I could just bother them enough to where <laughs> they felt like they had to hire me at a certain point. Sure. So yeah, so what is your official position with them now? You you you're hired by them. You're a part of the officially a part of the team. I am. Yeah. I I mean contract work in the sense of mm-hmm. I, I run some weekend programs. Um but yes, I am part of the team and I'm, my title is lead staff. So mm. we call it fun facilitator, um, in the grand scale of things, basically just, uh, an adult camp counselor. Oh yeah. That's uh, yeah. I worked at camp until I was well into my twenties. So yeah, I, I, no, uh, that's great. And I went to camps many times and I never had like this itch to be a camp counselor. Um, and I never realized probably how much work it was, but uh, it was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little underappreciated, but I mean, you really got to just bring the energy, bring the fun, and yeah. excitement, and and just like if if there's a lull and you have a game to play, you got to bring that game and just bring it out and have fun. And yeah, um, I do love it. Um, and it's a it's a really good time. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. In our first conversation, we met briefly, very briefly on a Zoom. Very briefly. And right before we logged off, you said something and I wrote it down, um, which is that you said uh I'm a little scared. No, you just said it at, you said <laughs> was it, it good or you, was it, it bad? It was great. It was great. It was important. It said at first the sense I feel like a different person. You you just yeah. like slipped that in there. And that's I wrote that down because my goodness, I kept working summer camp. I was 27 years old. You know what I mean? Like I was really into it. I know that feeling that, that feeling of, I have superpowers. I'm with these 
amazing people. I'm experiencing, I'm really living life. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think a different energy comes out. Um, I think it's also like, you know, I'm leading this thing that's designed to be fun. Um, mm. I need to be fun. I need to bring <laughs> the energy yeah. in order. And honestly, when I go to my, you know, nine to five job, they've actually recently gave me feedback of like, we like your personality. We'd love it to be brought out more in the sales process. Um, and so I am working on that, but it's like, you know, you go to this office setting nine to five, you're behind a desk and you're like, I guess I'll just putz around and type on this computer for the rest of the day. But, yeah. um, when you're in this environment, you really got to like, my energy is reflective of, will be reflected on their energy. So mm. if I'm not excited about said activity, if I'm not bringing the, the hype, the noise, the, like the jokes, the good time, then like that'll come back to them in the sense of like, they won't have as much fun. And I hope it's not like overdone where it's like Brian's <laughs> over trying and it's not fun, but yes, I, I hope not. <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I am really connecting with what you're saying. And also I, I will say that I even worked at a special needs high school for a year afterwards and it was, it was work. And it was the same population, yeah. but there's something about going in every day. It was sort of like being, you know, if you volunteer at camp or at FD and then you're an oncology nurse, when you go back to being an oncology nurse, you're at work and it's a little bit yeah. different. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that means there's a, there's a spirit of being outdoors. Yeah. There's a spirit of like, oh, we woke up at seven, it's early. Yes. And we're having coffee, but we're ready to go adventure rather than like, oh, we're ready to go yes. to the office. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So I think you won. I also am. <laughs> Maybe I need to start doing. Apparently, that's my critique. Is I need to start bringing that. Oh, don't bring me into this because I'm going to be like, forget work. Who cares? Do the bare minimum. We're not our labor. This is is my therapy (laughs) session. (laughs) Where it's like, whatever you need to pay the bills, man, then go do what you want to do. Um, But yeah, I mean that's beautiful, and I and I really relate to that. And I think, I think tapping into that. is the reason people are lifelong volunteers at all the places that they, that they go. Um, and so, so this is like, I guess I go like a part-time job now. Um, yes. but how many, you must've volunteered right for a while before that. Or? Um, so actually my last company I was working with, we sold like party themed, outfits um it's called shinesty it's very much like very loud proud just be out there and be wild so it maybe speaks a little bit for the energy but sure. um first ascents whole hosts some amazing parties and they're unique in their own ways as kind of an outdoor adventure company so some of their main parties they wanted to add some additional flair and and shinesty was a good sponsor there in an amazing way um, to where because China Stu was a sponsor, I was often like that point person, point of contact and helping them do whatever we needed to do to, to help out, to make these organ these parties, these themes, these um, charity events kind of blow it out of the water. Yeah. When it was mostly FD doing it, but I was just like there for support. Like, yeah, this looks great. Sure. Keep going. And that was before, <laughs> is that before, after you started like, vol- did you volunteering well, on that trips? was, yeah. So that was before I started doing the trips and oh, that's wow. just kind of how I stay connected with kind of the office staff. Otherwise, uh-huh. like again, living in Denver really helped with that and, and just being there and, and they knew my name, they knew. And somehow I knew that they were then hiring for this, you know, for this lead staff position and camp counselor position. So, yeah. um, 
it was just kind of the happenstance and the fact that I've, I've been around. Yeah. Got to show <laughs> which up. Which is kind of in my bio as I was around so much that they kind of had to hire that's, me. I think that's the key to everything, man. You just yeah. got to keep showing You're up. Right. Um, <laughs> You're right. That's um, um, fine. I guess they'll pay you to be yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's no shame in that, man. Seriously. I guess we can't get rid of you, but I guess they'll pay you to be here. One or the other. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really. And so at this point, how many trips have you been on? I Not, do, I mean, so you went on one year, trip as a, as a, someone with cancer, right? Correct. A, a five, a, a week long trip. So mm-hmm. they have different trip categories, but yes, a one week long trip and they've since kind of changed the model. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the six years ago, you were able to kind of like, they didn't have as big of a network of interested participants. So you were kind of able to do kind of some of the smaller trips as well, whether it be a day or weekend long. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would do some of those in the local Denver area. Um, And so I was fortunate enough to do that. And then, so I've always kind of stayed involved. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you know how many trips you've now been on as a, what do you call the counselors there? Lead staff. Lead staff. Yeah. Which, yeah. Do you know how many you've done um, as, a, as a lead staff member? I do about, I've been doing it three years and last year was obviously a, a switch up, but I've done probably five to seven, maybe or a year, or I guess it's probably four to six each year. And last year I did, I think three because of COVID. And yeah, um, that's great. I'm sure they all have their different flavors or. Um, yeah, they, uh, they really do. And then different adventures as well in a very unfortunate way. And it actually hit me a lot. I don't think I got an email last night saying Mm. one of my participants had passed away and it was one of my first, um, that I led as a trip, I guess the first, um, that I knew about. And it was, it's, I mean, it's a very, real aspect that i mean a lot of these people it's not like they're in remission they're coming to cancer these trips still going through treatment still dealing with cancer and i was fortunate enough to be 90 percent done but um a lot of these people are still dealing with a lot of shit and um this guy was diagnosed five, like he'd been dealing with it for five years and finally um yeah it, it, it unfortunately passed away and i just it, it hit me a lot harder than I was expecting because he was an amazing participant and just a breath of fresh air. So yeah, I'm really sorry to hear so, that, Brian. Yeah. It's just a realization that it's like, I mean, this thing is still serious. It's as fun as these programs are like, and how much we try to take people out of that cancer world and in that element and provide them like not only a community, but also like forget what's going on at home a little bit. Mm. Um, even though it's very much present in your world, it's also like they go home and they're still dealing with just a nightmare. So, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- th- I think that's, I think that's what makes the things that we've been a part of different than just a camping trip. Um, that these things are in the air, you know, I, I've, I've yeah. lost campers and it's, it's really hard. Um, but I think it really, the feelings you're feeling speak to how important the work you're doing is, right? Um, it tears you up. I mean, and then, yeah, it's, 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 you can like leave these participants and like move on with your life because you've got another camp the next week and hopefully they're connecting. And, and you know, as lead staff, you kind of try to distance yourself. But even though you had a great time with them and, 
um, it's just like, man, these, it's, it's sad to see people go no matter how short or long, you know, them. of course, of course. But, um, but I think an opportunity like this, um, it, it, I mean, it's worth it, right? Like it's, yeah. I mean, that's the cool part is this participant. I mean, I think he was so encouraged by what we did. He, on these shorter programs, we do week end long one programs now, which are just easier for participants to, you know, come to because they're more in the local area, as well as if you have kids, if you have a job, it's, you can do a weekend long one a little easier mm-hmm. um, with life, a lower barrier of entry. And this was a weekend long one for the weekend week long ones. We usually send a photographer who then creates the slideshow and <laughs> makes like brings it all together. So you have memories. Right. Um, but for the weekend long ones, it's just so quick. We don't do, we bare minimum type of deal. He brought a camera and he was taking all these photos and he put together in the chemo chair in eight. He was like, yeah, I'll have plenty of time in the chemo chair. I go and sit in there for like eight hours every Friday. Oh my goodness. He put together his 18 minute video, 18 minute (laughs) slideshow video. And it was like, gosh, like, I think, I think that just resonates with like how much it resonated for him and in the sense of wanting to spend the time to provide these memories to his fellow campers. So, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just a thing for him that he, he bottled up. He wanted to share it with not just exactly. the campers, with everybody, you know, everybody. Yeah. Left. That's really, that's really beautiful, Brian. Um, and speaks to what you guys do. That's really, really special. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm so sorry for your loss. I, I, I understand. Yeah. We it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but we're all dealing in a crazy way with loss in the last, you know, year and a half or even multiple years. Like these things do happen. I think the cancer community knows that best. Obviously everyone is still like afraid of it, cognizant of it. Um, they don't want it, but there's always this looming thing in the back of their mind of like, even for me, I'm six years out, but I've known people 10, 13 years out where it comes back and you're just like, Oh yeah. It's always like, that's the idea is like when you're diagnosed with cancer, another terrible diagnosis at whatever age, you all of a sudden have this like realization or this life is precious. Um, This life can be short and it can change on a dime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really well said. And, and, and the truth is that I, when I, when I zoom out for a minute, you know, we're all humans, everyone, we're all going to die. That is a fact. That is the fact. It's the fact. It's, it's not even a fact. It's the definite article, not the indefinite. Um, and cancer diagnoses, um, it's, it's, it's a heightened feeling. It's a, it's a heightened sense. You have to deal with it right now. There's no more yeah. the privilege of not having to think about it. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, you dealt with, you know, younger kids, but at 26, you, you think you're invincible and yeah, young kids course. like shouldn't be going through this and no one should be going through this, but it's all like a little bit the inevitable, but, uh, it's just, you know, 26 year old male, whatever, between that age bracket, you kind of just like living your life, not thinking about an end. Um, of course, you know, you might be like putting away some for retirement, but that's like, you know, 5%. Yeah. In, in <laughs> yeah. Only if your company matches. Yeah. Right? Like, very. Otherwise it's, it's, yeah, you're not, you're not thinking you're about planning for ends. the future, yeah. but you're planning for like, you know, the next five, 10 years for what you're going to do this weekend, having fun. And then yeah. your world can come crashing down and you realize like this, this life is something to be cherished. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well said, Brian. Um, this has been a really important conversation. I'm really glad we get to share it with folks. Um, 
and I appreciate your candor, man. Not everyone wants to talk in the way that you do, which I, yeah, you've made it easy to be honest. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad. So the way I like to end the episodes of my podcast, and I'm going to be posting these the way you like to end these therapy sessions. <laughs> are. <laughs> this is my time. Um, <laughs> Um, which is that I liked it. So I'm going to be putting all these pods up in my feed as well. Uh, in addition cool. to the other feed that we're going to create for these, uh, this three, three episode mini series to start, um, which is, I like to end with fill in the blank questions that I write just for you. Um, cool. just as a way to, to wrap up a little bit. Um, so I have four for you, um, you're home, you're sick with a bad cold. What do you like to watch? What do I like to watch? Um, <laughs> that is a good question. I mean, for a while there, I delved into Game of Thrones for too long, and I even rewatched it, even knowing the ending. Sure. Um, but it was just like, I just loved the cinematic cinematography of it all, and just like picturing myself or, you know, the world in that mm-hmm. mid century or medieval time frame of. 1500s or whatever it's kind of depicted as but um pretty much just that or dumb television like rick and marty oh fun I, yeah i get that vibe from you brian i have to ask you dumb, you're, you're, dumb smart yeah television, yes right? yes that's the key <laughs> we got you gotta say that <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect when god when someone when someone like who pretend like doesn't pretend when someone who's like has like a, a casual approach drops like a really big word there's nothing that makes me laugh harder it really yeah. it really gets me um okay that's really fun uh next um you brian uh want to tell young men who have recently been diagnosed with cancer what fill in the blank um one to do fd um first sense because or at least apply at least go after it um it's this is i don't know i've I've had a friend since been diagnosed with cancer and i I think i wrote him this just like diatribe of of word vomit um of like what you can do i'm here for you blah 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 Mm -hmm. um uh, i don't know i mean like part of you wants to say like i look back and i didn't take any pictures i didn't enjoy the process i was resentful of it um but it is like it is still part of your life and you know um i regret not looking not being able to look back on not having any photos or kind of memories in that way like even with chemo and cancer brain you you freak your mind is not fully there so um maybe journal is probably what I would say journal and take photos of, mm. of your mental state. Cause whether it lasts through this diagnosis or not, I think it's good to really like write that stuff down and kind of recall like a time that was pretty shitty in your life and, and how well you're doing now. Yeah. That's really well said, Brian. You, I mean, you really give off to me an air of um, uh, it's almost Buddhist. It's like, whatever it is, just feel, <laughs> just embrace, you know? 
that said, I don't journal myself, <laughs> even though I've like had it in my like to-do list for three years, probably. So sure. it's like an I Buddhist in theory, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how you start. I don't know. I'm, I'm a lapsed <laughs> Catholic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, have you heard of morning pages? Do you know about morning pages? I don't it's know. This book pages. called The Artist's Way. You might like it. Um, but basically one of the tenets of it is you wake up and you write three pages. First thing, no matter what. Yeah. And you sort of, for me, when I, in the, in the streaks, when I've done it, it frees me up later. Like I've already thrown out all the junk. Yeah. And then later in the day, when I go to write, I can find some clarity. That's not always the case. I have, I also have very <laughs> successful friends who write jokes the first thing in the morning and they're just like, joke, 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 joke. Um, but people who aren't comedians, I mean, the book, you would like the book. Um, it's called the artist's way. It's the number one independent book ever. Um, and part of it, you, cool. you go on an artist date. You would love this. Or you just like see a movie by yourself or you go to a museum alone and you just like take yourself on a little date and experience yeah. the world. Um, but that's a great answer. That, that was number two. That sounds great. Um, these next couple get lighter. Um, the last great book or movie that you saw or read. Um, book or movie. I just watched catch me if you can the other night oh, it's on netflix it's now movie. and i mean i forgot how many stars are in yep. it one yep. i also just like the story and it's amazing the fact that it's you know based on true is incredible mm -hmm. leo is incredible um i'm currently reading or listening to i'm a big like audio guy oh, nice. uh the obama book and i really appreciate just the care and respect that he like brought towards you know, the office as well as just his thought process around almost everything and, and how he kind of felt his constituents pain through, through, you know, not being a seasoned politician. I think he was, but he was kind of just thrown into the presidency. Yeah. He was like a state Senator, like pretty recently. <laughs> yeah. Like one, he was a Senator for one term. Then all of a sudden he's president. Yep. It's like, how insane is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's it. What is the book called? Is it an old, is it's it called, promised i think oh promised? Okay. I, I actually forget i just referenced it as the B obama book but during it you learn he's written two or three other books and it's like i had no idea so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um i didn't realize there was a new one that's very cool um maybe i'll check that you out wish. i think i'm like a year late sure sure, sure sure but um that's that's very cool i'll, I'll, I'll check that out and my last one i, I <laughs> speaks to my uh where my priorities are at. I always ask people about food. Um, the best snack for an outdoor hiking and or canoe trip is blank. Um, definitely trail mix, I think is the easy answer, but I'm also a big, like a pack a little sandwich, whether that's PB and J or like with first descents, oftentimes they put out this like bar of sandwich fixings and even oh, like yeah. sometimes leftovers. And you just like try to create this wrap or sandwich as best as you can. That like won't get soggy is always my goal mm. of like, where's the trick to avoid sogginess. Um, <laughs> and that's always my favorite is just to have like a side side sandwich. Side sandwich is great. And I love when I'm by <laughs> my father, when I was growing up, always said that camping is a bad motel six with no air conditioning. So I was not taught to be outdoorsy and i have since embraced it in certain ways working at summer yeah. camp is one way to i mean we had air conditioning because like the kids needed it but like um i love when i've gone on canoe trips and hiking trips and stuff like that that your body suddenly like really needs calories 
and they're like, oh, this is what food is for. <laughs> Everything is delicious. Yeah. This is the best meal I've ever had. Yeah. I had like a, a hummus and monster cheese sandwich once that like changed my life because I was like on an island <laughs> yeah. in the Adirondacks. I was like, oh my God. I, I didn't uh, grow up camping either. I think we went once with some friends and it rained probably three of the four days. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, we're never doing this again. And then we became like cruise people, which I was a fan of. Sure, but sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I've since, I think even just the world these days has more so adopted camping and the, the glamping aspect of it with, you know, nicer mattresses, nicer pads, nicer sleeping bags. It's like, oh, let's bring me indoors, outdoors as much as possible. And yeah. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a fan of that too. So Same. Um, bring a chef. As, yeah. <laughs> bring a chef precisely. <laughs> Cause you get enough of the outdoors. Like I, 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 maybe I'm just not an extremist, but like, I get it. I'm like under the stars. I'm like, Oh, this is really nice. And then somebody's making ravioli and that's great too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to have gourmet meals while I'm camping for sure. That's, um, that's so nice. Well, Brian, we, uh, we did it. This was the episode. Um, I really appreciate you doing it, brother. This was so fun. I appreciate you hosting this. Um, when it was first presented to me, I was like, how is this going to work? Like what's going to happen? But uh, you made it seamless and easy and, and it was an easy conversation. So thank you. I'm glad. Yeah. And we should do this again sometime. We should just like catch up in a year. Um, yeah, I would be into that. When, uh, to plug more first ascents things. Um, before we go, um, can you tell us... Um, just a little bit about maybe like getting involved in, in first ascents, either as a, if you, if you have cancer right now, you know, someone with cancer, you'd like to volunteer, you know how to cook, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, very much check out the website. Obviously it's a natural place to go. If you have cancer, just apply, get in the system, um, whether it works out in three months or whether it works out in two years, at least you're in the system and you, you can kind of be a part of that. Mm. Sometimes they have someone drop like, Oh, the, this weekend doesn't work for me and it might work for you. Um, so there's always that definitely get in the system. And, and then there's a community behind it to where you can start to like kind of meet people within mm -hmm. uh, looking for volunteers. They have a volunteers page as well. Um, but to be honest, I mean, since it's such an amazing organization, uh, past participants are always looking to volunteer as well as, mm -hmm. you know, just people within the community that know about it. Uh, I think it's a pretty decent sized waiting list, not to say not to do it, but um, the thing that goes the longest is, is obviously money um, mm. for this type of organization. They are providing free trips for cancer survivors and um, some, some of the people that like need some help, need some support, need something new from their world. And the money goes a long way. So um, those are kind of the three main things, but uh, yeah. And then I think they host parties across the U S and the charity events they've been on CNN. So there's always ways to find them, but uh, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Do, do, do they do their parties are like the fundraisers kind of thing? Yeah. They host like a, a, a gala and or they normally, you know, post code out of COVID times. Um, they also host like this, but the gala is unique because you know you try to bring these wealthy people in and they make them wear all unique hats like it's not just a standard like oh we're gonna dress up and look good it's like no you have to wear a hat um oh, fun. and really screw up your hair <laughs> and then they just make it quirky along the way and they host a party in denver that's the 80s ski party where they bring in this 80s cover band and it's just like you feel <laughs> like you're transported to like an 80s ski chalet and you're just dancing with that's so funny people in the 80s everyone's in onesies and bright colored and oh man it's one of the best parties for sure so um yeah there's some amazing opportunity to 
to donate and party at the same time. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for for something in New York. Um, yeah, I'll talk to New York to, is a good place for it. Yeah, for sure. I'll talk to Peter about it because I'd love to uh, to get involved because um, it sounds incredible. Um, yeah, and thank you for all the work you're doing, Brian. Seriously, um, it's important. Thank you for your work. I mean. It, it, Camp counselor can be a little selfless. Um, so it sounds like you had some good experiences there, but uh, it sounds like you can relate in, in many ways. So that was cool to kind of have that connection point. Yeah, it was, uh, it's unique. I don't talk to truly, I don't talk to a lot of people that I didn't work at camp with that can have these types of conversations. So I, I value it too. I got a lot out of it. Um, yeah. And I think this is going to be the first episode. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to sharing it with the world. And uh, it was really great meeting you, dude. And I hope to uh, to talk to you soon. You too, man. Best of luck with uh, all the endeavors this year. Thanks, brother. I'll let you know when I'm out we'll in, uh, in, uh, in Colorado. Yeah, please. Sounds good, man. I'll see you later. We did it. That was episode one. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify so you get updates every Thursday when you get a new episode. If you're familiar at all with the Mangus family, uh, next week's episode is almost certainly somebody you know and love. So keep an eye out for it. We appreciate you. Check out the I'm Not Done Yet Foundation website for more opportunities on ways to donate and ways to get involved. And of course, check out First Descents on social media and their website for more information. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day.